first question I have is, do you have a victory song? Do you have a victory song? See, when, when I was a kid, I watched this movie, Rocky, and Eye of the Tiger became my victory song. How many of you are with me on that one? How many of you, yeah. You just hear that song going, right? And then you just start running. <laughs> Give me up those steps, right? Then, then, I saw Karate Kid. And you're the best, all right? You know, like I started, you know, getting excited. See, I, I like those victory songs. But when we won the district championship in high school as a basketball player, uh, we won a couple of them. And it seemed like I never heard this song before, but it came out, We Are the Champions. Seems to be a popular one. And we were singing that. Lo and behold, I had no idea what he was really singing about. All right, if you know what he's really singing about there, uh, you might not sing it, but um, songs, victory songs. Our, our uh, state championship team in 2008, we had a song called We Ready, and we put it on our T-shirts. And so victory songs are important. We like victory songs. Then there's the victory dance. Some of you like to dance. You know, I, 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 uh, I enjoy when people worship and they raise their hand, but I enjoy it even more when people do a little dance when they're worshiping God. Uh, if you've ever played football before, whether it was on a team or maybe it was just, you know, tag uh, football, you, if you score a touchdown, what do you do? You, you do a dance, right? And if you've ever watched the NFL, I mean, these guys do dances, a lot of dances. They got the funky chicken, they got the worm, they got the squirrel, and now it's the gritty. They all do the gritty. I mean, you've seen this. Some of them, yeah, see, I got a clap from a teenager right there. But is this just a sports thing? Some of you are like, okay, I don't play sports. I don't do sports. Well, maybe, maybe when you play a musical instrument, you could do a dance. The question I have is, do they do dances, victory songs and dances in the Bible? Like, is this okay for Christians to do this? The answer is yes. There is victory Song and dance in the Bible. And one guy that sticks out is a pretty important guy, and that's King David. King David knew how to bust a move, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't know if you know the story or not, but when the Ark of the Covenant was coming to Jerusalem, finally, in the Promised Land, when it was coming, King David took off his royal robes. He didn't get naked, okay? I know those people... He had, it says it right there, he had a linen ephod on, okay? So he was not, he just took off his royal robes. In 2 Samuel 6, it says that he was dancing and leaping and praising God. I mean, that was King David because he was so excited the Ark of the Covenant was coming to Jerusalem. Now his wife, I think she was a little stuck up because she was not happy with his choice of taking off his royal robes. She got mad. There's a whole story you can read about it in 2 Samuel 6. But to her, you know, King dancing in his tidy whiteies was not appropriate in <laughs> front of the servant girls. You're, you're, you're higher than that. Uh, but he didn't care. David was like, I'm celebrating before the Lord. This is my victory song and dance. And when God gives you a personal victory, you should celebrate. When God gives you a personal victory, you should dance, you should sing. doesn't matter if you can't sing on key. doesn't matter if you got no rhythm. All right? Shut the drapes, close the door, 
and do your dance and sing your song. Psalm 100, verse 1. I have it on the screen for you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And this is the verse that I like that you're going to see a lot today. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all the generations. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Will you say that with me? His love endures forever. That's a song that was sung over and over and over again. And my hope today is that you discover your victory song, your victory dance. His love endures forever. Let's pray. God, help me today to preach your word faithfully, correctly, honestly. Lord, help us to see that your word is not just for our head, but it's for our heart, it's for our actions, it's for our hands and feet to go out into this world and to share that your love does indeed endure forever. There are so many out there that are lost and hurting God, and they need to know. And we're here today to celebrate, to hear about our victory song and dance. But God, let us be people that go out and are not afraid to share our faith. God, give us boldness to do that. To invite others into what we feel is the greatest life ever. Thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and sending him to die for us. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in us and gives us comfort and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank a worship leader named Jeffrey Krantz. He did some research back in 2014. It's very um, neat to see what he did and pulled together. There are temple praises uh, songs in the Bible. There are funeral dirges um, that are songs. But overall, there's a total of about 185 songs in the Bible. That's a lot of songs that are written in the Bible um, that are recorded. Of course, three books of the Bible actually um, are, are just songs. One of them is Psalms, 150 songs right there. Another one is called the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. And then the third one is called Lamentations, um, which is a little sadder. Um, but I'll give you a few trivia questions today. Everybody loves trivia, right? Yeah. What's the longest song recorded in the Bible? The longest song. Psalm 119. Very good. It has 1,732 words. Yeah, good luck memorizing that one. Anybody who says they can memorize that one, that, that would be impressive. Now, the shortest song in the Bible. You probably don't know the shortest song in the Bible. I would not have known it. I would not have guessed it. But unless you've been reading in the Old Testament, you probably would never know that the shortest song in the Bible is really just one verse. Or maybe it's a chorus. <laughs> Hard to say. Um, maybe it's a verse and a chorus put together. But according to the Hebrew, it's only seven words. So the shortest song just has seven words. Our translation translates it a little differently. I'll read it to you in a second. But um, I, I want to just mention this, that um, they would sing this song over and over and over again. And I've heard people complain or they say, I don't really like it when we sing a song and they say the same words over and over again. Well, I can honestly tell you that that is not uh, unbiblical. It's biblical. Like, this is the song. It's in 2 Chronicles 5.13. 
um, David, or actually it's uh, King David's son. King David's son, Solomon, who wrote a lot of songs, he wrote this, and it's simply, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. A couple of those songs that we sang today, that, we, that, that we'll sing uh, one in the end as well. Um, this is the song. For he is good, his love endures forever. And what happened when they sang that song, because Solomon had him sing this song over and over and over again, because now instead of just the Ark of the Covenant coming to Jerusalem, it was the temple was built. Remember, Solomon built the temple that David prepared him to do. And the temple was where the Ark of the Covenant came. And this was the first time that, that God had a permanent house, if you will, in the house of Israel. He had the temple. And it says that the house of the Lord was filled with the glory of God. And that glory was like a cloud. So, um, like I said before, we, we, they didn't have smoke machines. <laughs> the, the smoke was the glory of God and they couldn't even minister. The ministers, the worship leaders couldn't even stand to minister because the whole place was filled with the glory of God. Now, many years later, many kings later, if you will, there was another guy named King Jehoshaphat. Yeah, you can't make that name up, can you? I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He probably got a lot of jokes made of him, right? Well, I, how do you stop people from giving out uh, or telling fat jokes? You become the king, and you put them in their place, right? That's, that's the only answer I got for that. But in 2 Chronicles 20, God's people were at war, and King Jehoshaphat led, assembled the choir, the orchestra, and they worshiped the Lord. Think about that. I mean, when people go into battle, they're about to go into battle. They prepare in different ways. And the way that they prepared is that they brought together the worship team. And they, and they sang this song that he wrote. And it's very, very familiar. It's, give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. He was thinking back to Solomon and to David. And that's the other shortest song. And guess what happened? God ambushed their enemies. And they didn't even have to fight the battle. God fought the battle for them. We sang that today. So that's the shortest two songs in the Bible. And then there is the greatest song in the Bible. And I guess it's hard to argue with a song that's called the Song of Songs. <laughs> uh, that would be the whole book, right? The Song of Songs is a love song between a husband and a wife that at times will make you blush if you uh, read it through. Uh, that's the, sh that's the uh, greatest song. And then the first song. And this is where I'm going to settle because the first song that was recorded in the Bible, not in the book of Genesis, which is the first book, the first song is in Exodus chapter 15. And what do you know? That's where we're at in our journey through Exodus. Shocker. The victory song of Moses. I've been preaching through Exodus and just uh, the last couple of weeks talking about the God of miracles and how he did this amazing miracle. God parted the Red Sea. He divided the Red Sea. The people walked right through it. If you are right there and you, I lost you right there, you're like, I don't believe in miracles. Just watch those last two. They're on our YouTube channel. They're on our website and Facebook. Just check them out and see what, what uh, I have to say about miracles, what God's word says. But 
He did that miracle. They walked through it. The Egyptians tried to follow, and the water came back on them, and God overpowered the Egyptians. So it was a victory song. God overcame the Egyptians, and all they had to do was obey God, and they defeated him. So Moses writes this song. I'm going to read to you some of it. It's in Exodus 15, verse 1. If you want to follow along with the Bible, there's some blue Bibles in chairs in front of you. They're free. You can take them home with you. If you don't have a Bible, please do. Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. It said, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I just like that verse right there, that part. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he's become my salvation. You know what the word for salvation is in Hebrew? It's Yeshua, which is the name Joshua, which is the name Jesus. Jesus means he saves, salvation. And so uh, I love that part of the song. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. God is, uh, Moses is giving credit in this song to God. God is the one who got the victory over the Egyptians. They didn't do anything. They just obeyed God and walked. God did the rest. In the theme of Exodus, the whole purpose of Exodus is to show that God redeems his people. God saves his people. And he still does it today. And Moses is singing about it. Now, verses 4 through 10 is God defeating the Egyptians in the sea. It's a recap, but if you uh, have been with us or read through Exodus, you, you know what he says there. I want to jump to verse 11. Moses writes, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. God is the God of miracles. There's no God like him. Verse 13, you've led in your steadfast love the people whom you've redeemed, and you've guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Now Moses would lead these people. What is the holy abode? That's the home of God's people, the chosen land, the holy land, the place that's, well, let's be honest, it's the most sought-after piece of real estate in the world today, Jerusalem, the holy land. And he was leading them there. That's what he's talking about. And this is what's really interesting. What was going on in the land of Canaan? That's the name of the, uh, it's also called the land of Canaan. What's going on there? Are the people there worried that Moses and two million plus people are coming their way? Yeah, they're worried. Verse 14, the peoples have heard about you. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. And the chiefs of Edom are dismayed. And trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. And all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Because they know that this is not an ordinary people. These are the people of the one true God. And they are worried. And then Moses ends his song with verse 18. The last part of his song, it says, the Lord will reign forever and ever. And that's how Moses ends his song. But then something interesting happens. 
Moses had a sister. And his sister Miriam chimed in, literally. It says in verse 20, the Miriam was a prophetess, the sister of Aaron and Moses. She took a tambourine in her hand and all the women followed her out with tambourines and they, what did they do, church? They danced, yeah. Miriam then began to sing. And pay attention to what she sings here. She sings to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. And she says, the horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. She sang verse 1. So one would come to think that she was starting the song all over again. Let's sing it again. Perhaps that's what she was doing. But this was a victory song for God's people and they probably memorized it. They probably sang it. It was a foundational song, a victory song. And um, there are lots of songs of victory in the Bible, but this one, I think, has uh, sort of foundational in the sense that it's setting up David and Solomon and all those, as I'll show you in a minute. But um, there is another song that you might want to look up, Judges 5. It's the song of Deborah. Ladies, you love it. Okay, and guys, I think you'd like it too because there's some serious action in there, all right? It involves a tent peg and a guy, uh, but uh, I'll let you um, read that song about yourself. Uh, check it out. Um, but I want to take you back to David. David was that prolific songwriter, wrote most of the songs. But his son Solomon, it says in 1 Kings that he wrote 1,005 songs. 1,005, I mean, these guys knew how to write songs. Sorry, Chris Tomlin and all you good songwriters, but man, these guys wrote songs. And, and there's one song of David that I think stands out, and I think that Moses' song inspired it. It's in 1 Chronicles. In 1 Chronicles 16, David wrote a victory song. This is, um, I was a little confused when I was reading through it because I thought this was the same instance where he did his little dance there and his wife got upset with him. But no, that actually, this happened a little bit later and uh, now the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the tabernacle was coming to Jerusalem. And so David appointed a Levite. Uh, the tribe is the priestly tribe. His name was Asaph. And if you've ever read some of the Psalms, you know that Asaph wrote them. He was a worship leader. Asaph was a worship leader. He had a family of worship leaders. Um, there was probably over 100 worship leaders. They had a huge choir, a huge orchestra. So you kind of get the picture of how they worship God. Um, they did it with a lot of leaders and a lot of musicians and a lot of singers. And they sang this song that David wrote. Verse 8, he writes, or he's, they sang, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Isn't David writing just the way Moses wrote? Tell of all of God's wondrous works. What did God do? And that's what you read when you read the Psalms, a lot of the songs. They're, they're retelling so that the children and the families could sing these songs and remember what God has done for them. That's what a victory song is. You're singing and you're remembering what God has done and what God will do. He says in verse 15, Remember his covenant, his promise forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations. Verse 25, for great is the Lord. We sang that today. And greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. Verse 31, 
Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And the big ending, the final verse, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Now I'll just tell you that the word steadfast is our word, our English word, to help us understand what kind of love this Hebrew word meant. You know, we have one word, love. The Greek have like four words for it. Uh, Hebrew had multiple words, but let me just tell you what it means. That's why they translate it steadfast love. It's really just one word, and it means God's love is trusted. You can trust it. It's unfailing. It's faithful. It's steadfast. That's God's love for you. Now, we can't say that about people, generally, because we're people. (laughs) But God is God, and his love for you is unfailing. It's steadfast. It can be trusted. It's faithful. So this victory song that ends with his love endures forever was written by David. And David had a son, Solomon. And Solomon wrote... I'm sure this song that he wrote, the shortest song, as a result of what his dad wrote. When your dad writes a song and he has everybody sing it, you kind of get to know it. My, my kids have grown up in the church. So um, it's an interesting, you know, what they, you know, I, I love it today. I just, I just got to give a shout out to my daughter, Ellie, because I said, you know, Ellie, your mom's staying home today and you just went on this retreat and uh, you've gotten a lot of Jesus in the last 24 hours. Do you want to stay home? You know, would you like to just... She's like, no, Dad, I want to come to church. And she's here today, so I want to just give her a lot of uh, thankfulness. It's probably not to hear me preach. It's probably to see her friends. I'm just going to be honest with you. But sometimes Dad likes to think it's because of him. But if there's something special about about growing up in a church and belonging to a church. And, and um, you know, this is, this is Solomon. He writes this song because David wrote um, this in First Corinthians, or Chronicles 16. Remember Je- Jehoshaphat's battle song? Same words. There's four psalms that have the same words. And then get this. Israel goes through a rough time. The kingdom is split. They get taken into exile The temple is destroyed. That beautiful temple that Solomon built is totally destroyed. And there was a priest named Ezra who wanted to rebuild it. Then, of course, Nehemiah came with the walls to rebuild the walls. But when Ezra laid the foundation for the temple, guess what they sang? It's in Ezra 3.11. For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. When you really look at all the places in the Bible where this appears, you begin to realize this song was like the victory song. This was the the thing that they sang over and over and over again over hundreds of years. His love endures forever. There's a Psalm 136 that has this verse 26 times. Or maybe it's a chorus. I think it's probably a chorus. I I say that wrong. Sorry, worship leaders. My bad. All right, I I get those mixed up. But Psalm 136, if you go home and read that later today, you'll see 
there's a, there's a verse that has a story. It begins to tell a story. And then the chorus is, for his love endures forever. And then it tells more of the story. And then you're supposed to repeat, his love endures forever. And I like the part that basically says, no matter how many times God's people fail, God's love overcomes. Boy, that's a message and a truth that you need to hear today. No matter how many times that you mess up, no matter how many times you fail, God's love is unfailing, unending, steadfast love, and he never gives up. He never gives up. His love endures forever. What a promise for us today. Beginning to end. I like what Paul says to the church in Philippi. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. What God started in you, he will finish. His love endures forever. And if you don't have a victory song, if you've never thought about a victory song, then let that be yours. His love endures forever. Surely you can memorize four words. His love endures forever. In what victory will you celebrate with this song? You see, I think there's lots of times in the Christian life where we go through the motions. Where we go through the motions. You know, like that movie Groundhog Day? Same day, over and over again. Well, sometimes it may feel like every Sunday is the same. And you're just going through the motions. The words were up on the screen, but you weren't really thinking about them when you were singing them because your mind was somewhere else. And, and you, you just, you're struggling. Your struggles don't seem to go away. Your unholy desires are still lingering. Your failures are still there in front of you. And it's easy to just think, you know what, this is the way it's always going to be. I'm just never going to win. I'm never going to get over the top. I'm always going to wrestle with things like lust. I'm always going to wrestle with greed. I'm always going to hold a grudge. I'm always going to deal with this codependency, my low self-worth, my crummy marriage. I'm never going to see a victory. My life is never going to change. And what we say around here is that's called stinking thinking. We don't like stinking thinking. We want to get rid of it. God wants you to win. He wants to see you victorious. He wants you to sing a victory song and do a victory dance. And this is the truth. This is the truth that you need to know. There's a fundamental difference between the world's victory songs and the church's victory songs. There's a big difference. You see, the world sings how I did it. How I do it. How I, in my efforts, gained the victory. But the Christian sings how God did it for me. All of these victory songs in the Bible are how God does the victory for us. And I'm convinced most Christians are stuck, constantly struggling, because you keep trying to do it yourself. You keep trying to win on your own. And it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Paul, the Apostle Paul, knew the key to victory. He tells the church in Corinth, he says, my, this is what God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Now nobody wants to hear that. Because nobody wants to admit that they're weak. And they can't overcome it on their own. We just keep trying harder and harder and harder to do it on our own. Whatever it is. Whatever your struggle is. 
whatever your issue is. But Paul is pointing out what God told him is that God's grace is what you need. God's power is what you need. That's made perfect in your weakness. He says, I'll boast all the more gladly then of my weakness because then the power of Christ will come upon me. And when I'm weak, then God is strong. Isn't that beautiful to have that? Listen, I know some of your marriages are on the rocks. I know some of you are not willing to forgive. I know some of you have some vices like pornography or alcohol or drugs, and that's an issue. And I know all of this not because I'm tapping your phones. <laughs> I know because these are common struggles. These are common struggles, and you're not alone. The evil one, the enemy, wants you to think you're alone, but your struggle is not one of a kind. And I don't want you to keep on struggling. I want to see you win some battles. I want to see you get a victory and do a little dance. And here's the best news. In the end, all Christians are victorious. We are victorious. We win in the end. Yeah, you might lose some battles along the way because you succumb to your unholy desires. But when we get to the end, we win, Christians. We win. You want to know what the last song recorded in the Bible is? It's in Revelation 15. And I just find this to be so poignant and so amazing. The last song in the Bible recorded is also a song of Moses. Except it's a duet. Let me read it to you. Verse 2. John wrote this as God revealed it to him. I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who had conquered the beast those who conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, 666, standing beside the sea of glass, what did they have? Harps in their hands. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. There's a little duet going on. Isn't that beautiful? Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord, God Almighty, all-powerful, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, and all nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. In the end, Christians, we're all singing the same song. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. That has to be our victory song and dance. So as we sing this last song today... I invite our two men up to, to lead us. Sing out. It's a song that's easy. It's a new song that we've not really sung before, but it's not an old or a new one in, in terms of music. I've, I've been singing this song for many, many years. But it's a beautiful song. And if you feel like doing a little dance where you're at, I'm okay with that. Don't hurt anybody. Don't throw any elbows. Save that for your home, okay? but let this be your victory song. God has given you a victory recently. Sing this out. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us in so many different ways, and God, we want to have victory in our lives. We know, 
I know there's things that I struggle with, and there's things that we have that we're trying to overcome, but God, let us not try to do it on our own anymore. Let us turn to you. Let us trust in you. Let us let your, the power of your Holy Spirit rest upon us. God, help us. Help us in our need. There's so many here today, Lord, that Lord, they've been keeping it a secret for a long time. God, let them just, let them just pour it out to you. Let them just call on you, God, and seek you for help. God, that's the beginning, that we get the help when we need it from you. So God, as we sing today, let us just celebrate what you can do in our lives and what you've already done. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.